Hastings, a Smyrna merchant who had made a fortune out of currents, and a fortune amply sufficient, so Sir Ferdinand thought, to compensate for any lack of breeding that the family might show. But breeding, in the more substantial sense, proved to be Lady Dromeo's strong point. Some ten months after her marriage, she presented Sir Ferdinand not with a traditional Dromeo twins, but with Dromeo triplets. So contrary to all precedent did this odd performance seem, that her husband was at first incredulous, and sternly bade the nurse go back and count again. But no mistake had been made. It was almost as if nature, prescient in the political as well as biological sphere, was determined that the Dromeos should now have not a little liberal and a little conservative only, but a little socialist as well. And nature is much given to forming habits. If it were otherwise, scientists would not be able to deal in what they call natural laws. With the Dromeos, the triplet habit supplanted the twin habit, and this, far from being beneficent, had calamitous results. Whereas the twins had always worked together hand in glove, the triplets invariably quarrelled. They quarrelled over bibs and tuckers, peg-tops and puppies, ponies, cronies, and the less virtuous of the village girls. They quarrelled over chloroform and the corn laws and the chamberlains, over the derby and the grand national and the disestablishing of the Church of Wales, but above all they quarrelled over carpets and wines, pitching at one another in venomous dispute the great names of Ikem and Lafitte, Pereguet and Roson Gassi, Sena and Tabritz, Bokhara, Savast and Kashmir. The scandal of all this gradually spread abroad, and both the commercial and the social world began to view the Dromeos somewhat askance. As the prosaic number two had seen the family fortune rise, so now the mystical number three bade fair to preside over its fall. Despite the spread of whisky and the ubiquity of beer, the English drank as much wine as before, Despite the horrid invention of linoleum and the vogue of parquetry, they trod as heavily as ever on the products of Benuris and Turkestan. But it seemed that nothing of this could save the Dromeos from the decline which waits upon a divided house. And when, round about the beginning of the twentieth century, Sir Romeo Dromeo married, he prayed for nothing more devoutly than an end to all family tradition— and the gift of an only son followed by a quiet nursery full of girls. But the legacy of Miss Eugenides was with the family still, and some hours after Lady Dromeo was taken in labour, the now customary news was brought to Sir Romeo in his study. Whereupon Sir Romeo, whose temper had suffered much through thirty years of association with intolerable triplet brothers, ran upstairs in a distraction— so family legend had it, and fell to tossing his three newly-born sons about the room like tennis balls. But the infants were none the worse, having inherited from their remoter ancestors a virtual invulnerability to drubbing, and their father, being presently persuaded of the impropriety of his proceeding, retired again to his study to consider the situation with whatever calm he could command. This was the study in which was to take place the fatality which made the Dromeos notorious. 
Had Sir Romeo, hard upon becoming so abundantly a father, not thus sat down to brood and to plan? Had he accepted a position in the creating of which he had played, if a brief yet a decidedly seminal part, then those shocking events which must still linger in the public mind would not have taken place, and the necessity of the present painful and candid narrative would have been obviated. And this should serve as a warning to merchants, when closeted in their studies, to confine themselves to calculating percentages and casting accounts, since their education has seldom equipped them to deal skilfully in intricate emotional problems. And particularly should they eschew trafficking in futures, unless indeed it be those of corn and cotton upon an exchange. To Sir Romeo it appeared evident that his forebears, from the rash Sir Ferdinand onwards, had merely tinkered with the disruptive legacy of Miss Eugenides. If his own remaining years were to pass in modern...